0: Hello. Welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, President of the King of Prussia Historical Society. And I'll be your host for this television series. Upper Marion Government Access Television and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who lived the history of Upper Marion Township to tell us about that history. This edition features Jack Brennan, who was born and raised in the King of Prussia area. This time, Jack talks about his early childhood in Bridgeport, his World War II Marine Corps service, his return home to raise a family, and serve on the Township Police and Fire Departments. Let's sit back and relax as we listen to Jack Brennan, Remember When. Jack, uh, thanks for coming to see us today. What we'd like to talk about today is uh, some of what you remember uh, over the years since you've been here in the King of Prussia area. Um, I understand you were born and raised in Bridgeport, is that right?
1: I was born and raised in Bridgeport on October 25th, 1921 in Bridgeport. I lived in Bridgeport till right after the uh, Second World War was over in 1947,
0: once up in Marine. Yeah,
1: The uh, were you born at home? Yes, I was born right in 137th Street, Bridgeport. Oh, yeah one of nine children the fifth boy fifth boy uh, yes attended uh, bridgeport high graduated in 1940 in bridgeport uh, high
0: yeah where'd you go to elementary school
1: i went to st Augustine's in bridgeport uh-huh. a parochial school down there and uh just a quote till was my first sister down there <laughs>
0: do
1: you remember any others uh, sister leonard she taught me a little bit of latin to teach me to be an older boy and uh and sister Alma Dolores so I had in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, we tried to make a priest out of me. But my mother said, "You picked the wrong son."
0: <laughs> <laughs> How many kids were in the class?
1: Oh, it was approximately—I uh, would say 38 to 40.
0: Uh-huh. Right. And uh, what, what did you do? Uh, well, before before school started, what do you remember? And what's sort of the first before thing? school
1: started well, What little... sort of the first things you remember. Well, the first thing I remember one time, I was very small and I climbed a great big cherry tree in our side yard. And uh, I couldn't get back down. So they had to get the fire company with the ladder and get me out of the tree. I froze up there. <laughs> That's one of the things I remember the first day I was going to school. Uh, my mother took me down from 7th Street down to Ford, Rambo and Bridgeport. And uh, I looked into the school and I saw that nun in there. And I, I was afraid of her and I, I, I kind of hid back of my mother and I said I don't want to go in there and she said you're going in there whether you like it or not. So by the time she turned her back went over to talk to the sister I took off and I ran always back at home in thirteen Seven Street Bridgeport. And my mother come up and found me in a house and took me always back by the ear. And she said, you're going to stay there, John. And that's it.
0: <laughs> that's your first experience in school. Huh? Yes. Yes. The, uh, what did you do um, uh, after school? Uh, after, the school? Oh, after
1: school, I was mostly, uh, I loved to play ball. I played football out in the streets and gotten a few little fist cups up on the hill. and Things of that nature, yeah. that's all. Yeah. The
0: uh, Did the, what did your parents
1: do? My father was an engineer on the railroad. My mother was a mother and mm-hmm. family, a housewife all her life. Uh, dad uh, worked for the Reading Railroad. Mm-hmm. Well, my oldest brother, uh, Bill, was a, um, a superintendent of the air company here uh, that was on 202 in Bridgeport. Uh, brother Tom was the uh, owner of the Bungalow Inn in Jeffersonville uh brother marty was a uh, milkman brother joe was a car salesman and i was a little bit of everything okay then what, what about your sisters my sister uh, my oldest sister was uh, worked for the Bell telephone company uh my sister jean she uh did the same thing and uh sue worked for Hosiery uh, mills the secretary and betty was a bank teller in bridgeport bank
0: yeah they all married local people?
1: All wow. married local people.
0: Did they live? Did in they fact, live my area? four
1: sisters married four Navy men, now I'm an old Marine. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go to high school? I went to Bridgeport High, graduated in 1940, yeah. played a little bit of football there.
0: Well, you were telling me a little bit about a game you played with Howard Walker.
1: Yes, I uh, played against Upper Marine in the uh, 1939 season, and uh, we had a pretty good football team in Bridgeport High. And uh, we played Upper and on Thanksgiving Day. And they were undefeated and we were undefeated. And uh, we happened to win that game that day, 47 nothing. Mr. Walker, Howard, never forgot it. He and Bill Roth never forgot. Never let me remember, forget about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess you can rub that into him pretty, <laughs> pretty <a little> bit. <laughs> Howard brings it up. I don't bring it oh, up anymore. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> well, what did you do after you graduated from high school? I went there nearly primarily right into the United States Marine Corps. Enlisted in in the United States Marine Corps on February 4th, 1942. I wanted to go in earlier, but my mother wouldn't sign the papers. Mm -hmm. So I went down and enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. And uh, I uh, was there for four years. I was a combat Marine. I had uh, hit two beaches uh, on Saipan and on Tinian. And I happened to be on... The island of when they took off of the Gay and dropped the two atomic bombs, one on Hiroshima and one on Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. So when we heard the results of it and we came back, we all started cheering because we knew the war wasn't going to last that much longer.
0: You were still pretty young at the time too, weren't you? you
1: yeah, very be- much so. I was, uh, young and scared, I was real eager and beaver until we got over there. And uh, after I got shot at a few times, a few of my friends, I lost a few of my friends over there. I was quite concerned. In fact, I'll never forget uh, the one time when we were getting ready at the line of departure. We were on an LST and sidepan, and the skipper, of the ship, seemed to be a, a guy who wanted to take your mind off of things, and he started playing Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. And everything was coming our way. <laughs> we got a big kick out of that. Yes.
0: The... Uh, well, what did you do after the war?
1: After the war, I, um, I worked for James Lee's for a year or so in the power department.
0: Where was James Lee?
1: In Bridgeport. Nearly everybody in Bridgeport one time or the other worked at James Lee's Woolen Mill. <laughs> so I worked in the power department there at that time. And uh, I got out of that, and then I ran a, uh, a bar room for my brother for about four years. And then I uh, joined the Upper Marion Police Department in 1954. How did I been on for 35 years.
0: Yeah. Tell me about how that started.
1: Well, I, uh, uh, Bill Wills at one time was the tax collector in Upper Marion Township. And uh, he was an old Marine from the First World War. And when I first moved to Upper Marion Township, uh, he more or less took me under his wing. And he suggested at that time that i be a police officer. And I said, no. I said, I can't be a police officer. He says, why not? And I said, uh, I have too many friends. So he said, we don't want you to arrest your friends. We want you to be bad guys, Jack. But prior to that, I was the uh, one of the original charter members of the King of Prussia Fire Company, mm-hmm. and he's more or less, he and George Beck insisted I be chief of uh, the a uh, King of Prussia Fire Company, which I was the first chief of the King of Prussia Fire Company. Then, uh, while I was on the fire company, Mr. Wills was so after me to be a police officer. So I took his advice and I got to be one.
0: Well, going back to the time you spent on the fire company, where where was the fire house located?
1: The fire company at that time, we were in the beginning of it, there was no fire company, and Bill Wills and uh, my cousin Bill Anderson, Lou Granger, and a few other fellows got together, and Bill Wills knew the need for a fire company in King of Prussia. So we had our first meeting, Old stewart Farm Hall, and uh, we had our meeting there. We elected George Santoro, who was our first uh, president of King of Prussia Fire Company, and uh, they had a few meetings there, and... uh, at that time, I was working, like I say, at James Lee's, and uh, on the second shift in the power department, I received a telephone call that i have just been elected chief of the King of Prussia Fire Company. And I said, chief? He said, yes, chief. We want you to be the chief of the fire company. I said, I don't know the first thing about fighting the fire. He said, we'll, we'll all learn together. So we all learn together, and with the good gracious things of uh, Pitt Tamal, who was the head of the... George Clay Fire Company and uh, Mr. Katowski, who was the big shot in the Swedesburg Fire Company, and Andy Gavali from the Sweden Fire Company took me under the wings and showed me the ropes about the fire company. Prior to that, I didn't know anything about
0: it. Well, where'd you put your equipment?
1: Our first equipment was uh, well, your first apparatus in No. One Ninety, nineteen fifty. 190 1950. We got from GL Sayers in Norristown, and we kept the first apparatus in the Ed Mack's garage at 202 and 23. Ed Mack had a uh, building there. He had the uh, gas pumps in the front of it. Art Cummings used to have the pumps in the front. He had the restaurant, and then he had an old garage in the back attached to it. And the only thing he had in there was an old pop-belly stove. That we used to keep heated to stop the fire company, I'd rather rather stop the uh, pump from freezing in your fire apparatus. And yeah. one time we had a real bad winter and we had to house it in Swedesburg until we, uh, the pump would freeze up.
0: We had water in
1: the pump? Or- yeah, we had water in the pump, but uh, there was just the idea that we uh, had to have the water in there because if we had a fire, we right. had to get out there right away, you know. And we didn't have that many uh, fire hydrants in the pressure at that time. Uh, we had to learn to draft a lot from uh, Martin's Dam and various creeks and ponds. We had some of the farmers in Upper Marion Township to make man-made ponds, so we would have water there in case we did have a fire.
0: What was Upper Marion Township like at that time?
1: It was just more or less farms, period. And The main population in Upper Marion Township at that time was a Sweden and Swedenburg. These were all farms out here. In fact, the one farm was my aunt's farm, Mrs. Anderson's farm abutted on Billy Walker's farm. And then my aunt's farm abutted on to the Wilson farm, which was located two and two and 23. And that went on up to the Mr. Shaw Hacker's farm on top of the hill. And over the top of the hill down was the uh, Irwin farm. So it was more or less just farmland out yeah. there. I think I moved into one of the first settlements in Upper Murray at that time, which the, uh, the, uh, homes on kingwood road built by john wood at that time a contractor and there were six homes on either side of the road that was before valley Forge home brainy wine village and also all well, the uh, area billy walker had a big farm who was my mentor when it came to hunting howard's father uh-huh. i hunted with mr walker until he was about 90 years of age yeah. where did uh what, when did you first start hunting with him I first started hunting with a young man about 16 years of age. I used to walk uh, from my Bridgeport with a few shells always out to my aunt's farm and had to wrap my gun wrapped up in the newspaper and uh, walk into the field. A bunch of pheasants would take off. I'd miss every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> wrap up the gun and walk back to Bridgeport again. And finally came back out and I ran, ran across Mr. Walker one day. And they, he showed me more or less the particulars how to have a hunt. And I hunted with him until man passed away in 19. Oh, I guess I hunt with him until he was 90 years of age. He really he must have been really enjoying it. Was it he was Mr. Upper Murray at that time. Uh, Howard's father, oh, right. Billy, he was a supervisor at one time. Mm-hmm. And then Howard was one later on. I got married 1947. I got married October the 25th, 1947, my birthday. Mm-hmm. I got married, so I won't forget it. <laughs> 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 Having a birthday is a barrier. <laughs> well, tell me about your wife. My wife was the most beautiful girl in Lebanon County. Her name was Janice Halver. And uh, she was the love of my life, and we had three beautiful children. How did you meet her? I met her... Uh, more or less, uh, her brother was a m- former Marine, but uh, Janice at that time was at the Valley Forge General Hospital. And uh, they, I was a CMP there, a civilian military police. And that's where we uh, met one another. Uh, my oldest daughter is Jackie, she was named after me, Jacqueline, uh, Sally Lynn, and Michael. And what do they do? Uh, Jackie uh, works for a jewelry store over in Wayne. Uh, Sally is a, uh, uh, works with computers at the PQ company and out here in Trafford, uh, Philadelphia Courts. Right. And Michael has a job with, a uh, okay. in the main office. He's, uh, uh, something to do with groceries or something of that nature. He sets up the new stores for mm-hmm. Genardi's.
0: He said initially he moved into Kingwood Road. Yes. Yeah and how long did you stay there
1: oh approximately uh oh i guess it was about 12 years 12 years and then we moved over to 659 north Tennessee road we needed more room and uh we moved over to north Tennessee road at that time hidden valley they call it right. and that's where you are now that's where i am now all my children married moved out just by janice and i live in there right now okay well
0: let's go back to the police department And uh, and how you started out uh, with the police department. You were telling us that. uh,
1: Well, one of my first duties in the police department, I'll never forget as long as I live. Generally around May or June, all the people would come up to see Valley Forge Park from all over. It was was one constant stream of traffic, and the chief said to me one day. It was a Sunday. He says, Jackie, says you're going to have to do a little directing traffic today at 2:02 and 23. I said, okay, Chief, I was the only good beaver. He pulled up the patrol car, left me off. I directed traffic from 7.30 to 8 o'clock in the morning till noontime. He picked me up noontime. I had my lunch. He brought me back and put me on traffic again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was about it, the uh, first instance, as far as that's concerned. And I was a patrolman. I made sergeant in about four years. And... Uh, at that time, I worked for uh, Chief Boyle in uh, the police department. And at that time, uh, the police officer handled every type of investigation. Uh, if you had somebody holed up in the house with a gun or a knife, or a, you went yourself right. or you had one person with you. Uh, if you had a dead dog in the road, you picked up the dead dogs. Or you took care of a bad dog. If you had a snake hole, you took care of the snakes, not like today. You did everything, jack-of-all-trades, a master of none. (laughs) OK.
0: How many many men were on the police force at the time?
1: I was the fourth one on. And when I left here in 1985, I think at that time was up to 42 or 43. I left here as a lieutenant. And I was more or less classified as a training officer and a communications officer. And I was in charge of records and the auxiliary services in Upper Marion Township. And uh, that was primarily my job. I set the first town watch in Upper Marion Township. And uh, as a result of that, I was uh, awarded a uh, citation for the Chapel of the four chaplains. Mm-hmm. And uh, I received an award for that, oh. community service. Well, congratulations. I recall King of Prussia when I was a kid. And I used to come up to my aunt's farm, and I used to see all the dignitaries going in and out of the King of Prussia Inn. At that time, there was the Peacock Guards up there at that one side. And there was no tavern on the other side at that time. Uh, but there was a, um, a Starch Garage on the other side. And then right in front of where the uh, Peacock Gardens were was Beck's service station and garage. Mm-hmm. George Beck's father, George Beck, that used to be a supervisor. It was his father's place and i recall that and i often said boy oh boy uh, i'd love to go in there sometime but you couldn't very well get in and uh that's how i knew the king of prussia in from when i was a real young man then later on when i got in the police department mrs waters had it but prior to that i always wanted to go to the king of prussia and to look around uh, because I heard that they made the best mint juleps around. Uh, an old black gentleman there made the best mint juleps around. I wasn't old enough at that time to go in it. But as soon as the war was over, I went in and I had a mint julep. You still remember that? <laughs> I recall very well. It was very good. Then I recall later on, it was all boarded up. And I know it was a haven a long time for different people that were on the road. And, and uh, so they used to go in there. They'd get out of the rain and inclement weather. First, I used to tell them, get out of here. There's no place to go and all that. Then I felt sorry for them. And I'd say, okay, you stay here tonight. And as soon as it clears up, and you can go on. But uh, that's what I recall about the King of Prussia. And then another time, I recall I was on patrol early in the morning. And uh, I saw two uh, gentlemen hitchhiking in the air. And they saw the patrol car. They kind of looked a little leery. And uh, I stopped and talked to them and they told me they were hitchhiking to New York and uh so I took off and uh about 15 minutes later I got a call from the chief that the Wilson's real estate office was broken into and uh I quick got in my patrol car started scouting around and just as I come up to 202 and 23 they were trying to hide at the Kiga Inn. I picked them up and sure they went for the burglaries. yeah but uh i always uh I always liked the King of Prussia and it was very historical. And often said you'd think they'd have some other type of a marker to, two and twenty three when you come in the King of Prussia uh relative to uh the historical valley forge park uh of Genovan Stebin mm hmm
0: right
1: and uh I often thought like something like that showed uh uh have a uh, image of George Washington. And I understand he used to visit there. Right. Uh, George did at that time, I imagine. So uh, it's a very historical yeah, yeah. area. And I'm glad you're doing something about to well, keep some history in Upper Marion Township because it is a very historical place.
0: Thank you. Thank you. The, uh, do you remember
1: any uh, service uh, incidents up in
0: the Valley Forge Park area?
1: Oh, I recall going up there, looking all around, looking at the statues, and I had. I heard stories at one time that the Moonlight nights, that uh, General Anthony Wayne used to ride across the uh, terrain there, headless, uh, with his horsemen. (laughs) There were stories about that. I used to go up there and like to watch the uh, battle areas. And uh, I read some little history on it. There was never a battle there, really there. And they used to have a lot of cannons around, old cannons and cannonballs and everything like that. I and mean, I think somewhere along the line, I acquired one of them. Oh, did you? Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> we tried to use it for a shot put.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> My daughter, Jacqueline, years ago, she was playing up in the park with another young girl, Donnie Mathis, and uh, she saw a reflection in a creek not too far from where they lived, and uh, she thought it was a diamond. And she went down into the creek, and underneath the an old tree there was this pair of glasses. She brought them home. and had one crack in it. And I took them around to Dr. Cochran. Uh-huh. There used to be superintendent of schools. One time, he used to be a head of the Historical Society. Uh-huh. And he told me it was a pair of glasses from the continental days, as far as he could see. And he said, you'd like to have them sometime one time or another for the Historical Society. So I talked to my daughter about, it. she know, oh, Daddy, I don't want to get rid of those. Yeah. So She still has them. She still has them? I'd like to show them to you sometime. Good, I'd like to see them. You know, well, I guess the most concerned I ever was when I was in the police department, uh, we had the big mice strike up here.
0: Right.
1: I happened to be uh, the sergeant on duty 11 to 7 at that particular time of the day, and uh, I received a call from Officer De Haven, he was in a particular district over there. That there was uh, quite a few people gathering there, and it didn't look too good. So uh, I tried to contact the chief and let him be aware of it to establish a command post and get us assistance because there was going to be trouble there. And uh, kind of the first words I received no, you take your men and go ahead of home. And I said, That's not right. And I called back again, and finally, I after a while, okay, use your own discretion. So I had uh, eight men up there. They had about 1,200 goons up there, and I knew what Custer felt like.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: so I was very concerned, but I wasn't scared. I was no Marine. I figured, hey, <laughs> I went through a lot worse than this. Uh, it didn't bother me that much. They would have me surrounded. They won parts of me, but... Uh, they backed off because I told them, I said, look, I, well, I'm going to go. There's six of you going with me. So uh, they kind of settled down and backed off a little bit. I was a patrol sergeant. And uh, it was my job to have the officers properly trained and uh, to work with them and assist them in any way I could. You know, Whatever happened in the district, I was always the backup for them. And... Uh, Sergeant is really the main link or best part of any organization, in the police department. It's a semi militaristic organization. You have the same principles as you would in the service. It's through the chain of command, your general orders, policies, rules, and regulations. It was my job to make sure they were abided by. And I found out later on, in, in, uh, later on when they were going to make a new chief, and I was up in that area for it. And uh, they brought a new chief in by the name of Donald Beecraft, And I was a little slighted, but I found out later on he was much more qualified than I was. He was a good administrator, which I lacked those abilities. So I went down to the Temple in the evenings and took various courses in supervision, leadership, uh, and uh, police administration, command, the whole deal. So then I knew what I was lacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well,
0: that's (laughs) Because he set up
1: our first rules, regulations, and policy, which I wasn't qualified to do at that particular time. Well, then you said that you went on to uh, lieutenant? Yes, I went on to lieutenant. And uh, my duties at that particular time were uh, training officer for the department. Uh, I also was in charge of all the auxiliary services I train them. That's all your auxiliary police and your school course and guards and that nature. And uh, also, uh, I set up the first town watch program. And I was able to set up various patrols in the whole township, which did cut down on crime. Tell us a little bit about the town, town watch. Well, town watch is mostly composed of all your people in your township that are interested and police in their whole area. And their main uh, job is being the eyes and ears for the police department. And they get together in a group, of various block captains, They're in their area there, and they set up a program where they watch each other's, other's homes. They go out on Halloween night, mischief nights, and patrol the area and report to the police. That's their primary function: They're the eyes and ears of the police department, not to get involved in any incidents, but to contact us immediately. And that's the primary duty. Then we went to various programs. We put them, uh, go to various banks and uh, survey the banks and, and uh, show them different things to help to deter and detect crime and prevent crime. The main thing with any type of a crime is giving the criminal the opportunity to commit so. If you take the opportunity away from them, you're going to take the crime away.
0: What else do you remember about the police department and uh... Tell us some of the other reasons. Uh,
1: I recall from the police department, being just a small little unit, they're growing up to a very well-established police department, and uh, they have very good personnel aboard. Mm -hmm. Uh, The chief they have now, uh, I would say, he was the most qualified and most competent chief that we ever had in Upper Marion Township. And uh, he's going to leave very shortly, and they're going to really miss him but they have a new man coming on who'll probably be able to take over and take, that, uh, take up on there. But it's a very, very modern police department. They have excellent personnel. And I'm fortunate enough to be still on the oral board to help to select the new personnel coming into the police department. How and we s- look for people that are being able to communicate with people, all people of all shapes and forms, and that's what we look for mostly with their attitude, uh, their integrity, and their well-being, their appearance, and also how they communicate with people. That's a concept of a police department. Officers are able to communicate with people because after all, that's their product.
0: How big is the police department now? Oh, I imagine something around 60
1: personnel. 60 personnel. How many, how many people do you interview you, do you think? Do we interview? It all depends. Uh, we just interviewed, I think, uh, the last group uh, was uh, approximately 50. And I think they selected uh, seven. Seven
0: out of 50?
1: Yes, for three women this time. Yeah. It's and pretty uh, they're doing a good job. But first of all, I wasn't too, en- uh, too enthused about putting women in that particular category because I didn't like to see a woman be out on the road 11 to 7, patrol by herself at night. But uh, the more I got involved with and the more I saw the personnel that did take care of the job and how competent they were, the more I'm convinced that they do do a good job and they're out there for a good purpose.
0: The, uh, it's a pretty competitive uh, application, then, if, there's, if you only take 7 out of 50 applicants.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, they, they really set up a good program to select the best personnel they could possibly select and they're not just from Upper Maryland, they're from all over the state and out of state. And uh, they screen them very well. Mm-hmm. And they're very selective in their personnel. And it shows. But if the, you meet any of your new officers out on the road, you'll find they're very, very intelligent, they're respectful, and they communicate very well. What,
0: what kind of uh, educational background does a typical police officer have now?
1: Well, they, they do uh, emphasize the fact you should have a high school education primarily, and not only that, they are now that they'd like to see it advance a little further, at least uh, courses in the criminal justice field over Montgomery County Community College or Westchester, and a lot of the people are personal, and personnel in that particular area, all of them have it, they mm-hmm. come up to that particular area, and they do a good job. You can tell right away how they're educated in that fashion. Mm-hmm.
0: What kind of education or tra- training do they get after they uh, join the police force?
1: Well, they still continue off various educations. If they get into the investigating field, they send them away and learn a lot about investigative powers. Uh, the people in the traffic division, they are sent to school and, and learn all about traffic work. And uh, they have command schools. They have personnel going to command school and learn them how to supervise a the department. Uh, they, they keep on educating them in Upper Marion Township. And... Uh, like I say, the chief and the township administration, you have to give them credit for it. They're they are right there with them all the time. They back them 100%. It's the same way with the fire department now. They back them 100%. So the supervisors we have in Upper Marion Township are doing a very good job. They work very closely with your police department and your fire department. Uh, primarily, uh, when Upper Marion was really getting first developed uh, before they had the plaza, before they had the court, they had your GE up here, and you were dealing mostly with very professional people. GE up here, and the various industries throughout the uh, locale. And uh, now we have all type of people coming into the area. Now you have to deal, you have to be able to communicate with them. That's why it's uh, so uh, so important that we have people to be able to communicate with all the type of people that are coming into the township in and then out. And we have a lot of them. They went from a rural area to a little metropolis, in a way. (laughs) And this didn't take very long to happen. No, it didn't. Didn't. didn't, uh, Like I said, I recall where the court is. Was my aunt's farm. The next one was Wilson's farm. And uh, I had people years ago from New York, and uh, they asked. They just asked where I was from. And I told him King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Where's King of Prussia, Pennsylvania? They couldn't get over that. And finally one day they came over and they visited. And they said, now we know why we never heard of King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you people want to keep it all to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how King of Prussia was back in those days, and now it's a little well, traffic is something you know. I, now I have to tell you, be uh, certain hours you don't move too much on very well in King of Prussia. At one time we called it the hub of the East. You had your turnpike 202, you had your expressway, and everything just comes here. It still does. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I just, I you know, was always a great guy that I admired, King of Prussia. And I'm proud that I lived in King of Prussia in Upper Murray Township. They used to have a logo which I really believe in. What you do for yourself dies with you, but what you do for your community community lives on. And that's a that's a good place to live, work and worship. Yeah. That's right. So that's how I always put King of Prussia in that perspective of Upper Murray Township. I used to sit on my aunt's porch at 202 and Henderson Road, when it was a two-lane road, two-lane highway. And our biggest deal was to sit on that step with my brothers and sisters in town who saw the most Chevys or Fords going up and down the road. <laughs> and some would say four, some would say three, <laughs> so forth, back and forth. I recall years ago with the horse, and wagon were out.
0: Yeah. The... Uh... Well, tell us a little bit about the horse and wagons. When, uh...
1: Well, Billy Walker uh, had horses down here and uh, his uh, cousin had a, a horse farm. Uh, my mother, when her first butcher was Mr. Benner. He had a, a wagon. He had all the meat in the back of the wagon. And he had a horse called Topsy, and, uh, an old former racehorse, he said. Mm-hmm. And uh, Topsy was a big horse. And... Uh, I remember we used to try to run underneath it and uh, my brother had a straw hat at one time and he ran underneath the horse and the horse grabbed the hat and that was the end <laughs> of the hat. <laughs> I remember the milkman with horse and <laughs> mm-hmm. deliver milk, mm-hmm. the breadman with it years ago in Bridgeport in this area. And I remember old Billy Walker calling that he used to uh, drive a herd of cattle by himself from nearly uh, out here in, and uh, for a different township, always to his farm. On oh, 202 there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they used to make movies out in Port Kennedy. I never saw it years ago. That's right. And you had cow- cowboys and Indians up there. And they had some of the people living up in Marin Township. It was the Indians and the cowboys and everything. And they said Wild Bill Cody was up there. And Bill, old Billy Walker knew Wild Bill Cody.
0: Yeah, that was a little theater center up there. That was a, a filming a filming center here in the east. You're right.
1: Yeah, it was up on the Ert Road. that uh, went back hmm. into where Ert Magnesia used to be. Right. And that was the area of the quarries there that they used to have the uh, the battles up there relative to the cowboys and Indians. Yes. <laughs> there's an the old railroad that went by there.
0: That's right.
1: My grandfather, old Martin Cassidy, was one of the first for this quarry out here in 202. And um, he built nearly every street in Bridgeport. He also built nearly every street in Valley Forge Park. He was the borough superintendent for Bridgeport, but prior to that, he was the boss of the quarry, the old lime quarry. And they used to have old mules bring the limestone up out of the quarry under 202 over to where they uh, had the uh, uh what's the name of the place over across the street they had there highway materials that's right back in that area there and they were called the Lime Kills back in there i remember the quarry on flint hill road which is down there now mm-hmm. used to be an old quarry and uh, i recall as a kid that's where we used to swim in the quarry and it was very very deep and high walls around there and uh was always my Wanting to be able to have enough nerve to get up and jump off the top, which was 90 foot high, 80 to 90 foot high. <laughs> and I used to jump off the low slant, which was 40 foot high. I was about 14 or 15 then. And one day I'm up there trying to get up enough nerve to jump off there. And a couple girls I knew from Swedesburg came by, and they said, let us buy. And I said, if any girl's going to go off. I get off and I jumped off. So I broke the ice and every once in a while I used to jump off the top.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was housing down off of Croton Road. Uh, And weren't they the quarry workers that worked up in...
1: Those people lived on Shoemaker Lane you're talking about. Yes. They called that Yellow Row. And there was about 10 families that lived along there. And most of them worked in the quarry the lime quarry, under the ground there, right, that particular area, and they claimed that they used to mine always over to the old Upper Murray High School underground, it was quarrying lime
0: yeah,
1: out of there. Right. And I knew a couple of the fellows that worked there, and they told me, they said, I, we're pretty sure it was underneath the ground as far as the old Upper Murray High School. That's interesting. And they that? were all people that came up from down south right. and moved into that area. There's about six or eight families there. In fact, I think there's still one family living in the township that used to live in that area it's by the name of Perkins. He has Perkins Garage on yes. South Endershire Road. Yeah. Well, his mother and dad lived in there. I see. And the biddies used to live in there. Uh, different families lived in there. Yeah. Uh, and Don Palfour has all that ground now. Right. Or it did have it, yeah. Right. He, he put in a tavern there, a little shopping center.
0: Well, there are a number of quarries and attachments, some of which have been filled in over the years.
1: Yeah. Well, there used to be a spring on that road, too. On Shoemaker Lane, before you hit golf road, there was a very good spring on that road. And I don't know what the health department examined one time and condemned it, but a lot of people used to go up there and get water, same as Valley Forge Park. Over in Yellow Springs Road, yes. there was a big spring there and people used to come there and get all the spring water from it and they closed that because of traffic yeah how about the one down in in Gulf mills golf mills there's one down there you know you're talking about golf mills and that hanging rock down yeah. there i got a call one day from the chief when i was first in the department he says jack get down there in 23. he says a big traffic jam down there. i don't know what it is so i went down there and an old gentleman i used to see once in a while he liked to drink quite a bit, and he had a a large pole, and he was holding it up underneath the rock. And these people were there and he said, "Come on by, come on by. I can't hold it forever." <laughs> I'll never forget that. I went down, I talked to him, took it off him, took the jug of wine he had, and took him home. <laughs> But he had all the traffic tied up there for a while, trying to tell me he's holding that rock, rock up. up. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, he had a sense of humor too. <laughs> I, I tell you, uh, if some of the incidents happened, I could write a book, but uh, yeah. they well, were some of the humorous ones.
0: Well, I, I can remember as a kid uh, going on golf uh, uh, golf road there past Hanging Rock, but people used to. Uh, get water from that, uh, that spring. That
1: spring, yes, they did. And,
0: and they also would wash their cars there. or something. That's like that. right.
1: And they do used to do the same thing over in Gypsy Road. And Gypsy Road, they used to wash their cars there with a the creek going by Gypsy mm-hmm. Road. They always just go over there. That was Lover's Lane and then another place to wash your car. Hughes <laughs> Park was the other Lover's Lane.
0: Was <laughs> it? Yeah. yeah. You had mentioned about Swedesburg and Sweden. Uh, what kind of towns were they at the
1: Swedesburg and Sweden I would say when I was a young police officer, the only problems we ever had in Swedesburg and Sweden, you know, old people worked in Allenwood Steel or the Coke Company. Mm-hmm. The most honest people in the township. Never had hardly a burglary there, a robbery or a theft. The only thing we used to have down there once in a while was a little bit of a domestic problem when the husband and I had a few drinks on a Friday night got paid and got home late for supper. Right. That was Sweden and Swedberg. Nice, most honest people in the township. Never a problem with yeah. them. What
0: that do you remember what do you remember about Allenwood Steel?
1: The only thing I know, I knew a lot of people that worked there. I was supposed to work there right after I got out of the Marine Corps, but I, I never went down there. I knew a lot of people who worked there. And uh, that's the only thing I could tell you about the coke plant. Uh-huh. We had the coke plant along there, I knew people that worked down there. And uh, the only thing I recall about Allenwood Steel is that uh, they used to have the slag or whatever they had at night and the uh, little train cars, take it out and dump it. And we used to call it the Sweden Sun because it would light up the sky.
0: (laughs) Sweden Sun. Yeah, they
1: called it the Sweden Sun (laughs) when they dumped the slag down there at Allenwood Steel. Yeah. Of course,
0: it was hot, and of course, it glowed in the night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was... uh, uh, well, I knew most of the people in Sweden, mm-hmm. in Sweden, and, and uh, they were always very respectful of me, and I was always very respectful They're, of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good.
0: Did you have much contact with Bridgeport after you had moved to Upper Marion?
1: Oh, yeah, I still have a little bit of Bridgeport in me, and when uh, um, they had, ever had any functions down there, I was always invited. Mm-hmm. In, fi- in fact, I saw the mayor, Tom Nowitzki, yesterday, and I was inviting him to Get down and uh, partake in the uh, the fun fair at the AOH. And he says, don't forget, Jack. Now, you'll be down here 11 o'clock Saturday morning. We're having a ceremony down. I'd like to see you down there. Tell us about the AOH. Oh, AOH, I'm really involved very much with the AOH. The ancient order of Hibernians. And uh, they have a wonderful organization. Uh, they are really the primary factors of the AOHs. Friendship, unity, and helping in community affairs, and they give thousands of dollars away every year for different charities. They just had a great big uh, fair not too long ago, where there was two people that lost their houses in Swedesburg got burned out. They went and had the fair raise money to help those two families. Uh, they have big Christmas parties every year for the underprivileged children. Uh, they do a lot for your community, and the services in the community. And we have our, we have our Irish bagpipes mm-hmm. band. We have our marching unit. We march every, every day of St. Patrick's Day in the the whole AOH, <laughs> and uh, about to be at least half Irish to join it, <laughs> and uh, be a Catholic. Yeah. Where, where do you meet? We meet at the building at 342 uh, uh, <coughs> Hall of Jefferson Street in Swedesburg. That's where our hall is, mm-hmm. uh, our uh, building, uh, the AOH, Ancient Order of Hibernians. Wonderful organization. The
0: um, You had mentioned that you're having some sort of a, a program coming up here for because of the well, uh, this recent uh,
1: we September were suppo- Yeah, episode. we were supposed to be... Uh, and marching in Bridgeport, their bicentennial, this Saturday, October the 6th, it was canceled. So we figured it would be a good day to pick up the ball and have a charitable affair at the AOH <coughs> premises. And um, it's primarily for the money to be raised for the people of New York with a disaster. So we're going to have three Irish Orcesters there, band there playing. We're going to have our bagpipe band playing there that day. And we're going to have chili con carne and hot dogs for people. And the money we make off of it is going to go to New York. No ham, no ham and cabbage? We're not ham and cabbage. <laughs> we have them in St. Patrick's Day. And incidentally, <laughs> I cooked the ham and cabbage. And I got a call yesterday. Well, how about helping make the chili con carne too? <laughs> so I opened my big <laughs> mouth and I've been delegated. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mind. Yeah. The uh, you
0: have cooking equipment, cooking equipment, and so on down there at the. At, well, uh, I, I came from a
1: big old Irish family. I used to watch my mother. I loved to eat. Yeah. I used to watch my mother cook, and I picked up a lot of those <laughs> yeah. and and uh, a little bit of those. And my brother had a restaurant. And uh, when I first got out of the uh, Marine Corps, one of the first jobs I had was um, my brother had the Brunvale Diner in Jeffersonville and uh he may be night manager so that's all i was supposed to be night manager to take care of things there but we have the cook didn't show up the shorter cook wouldn't show up the waitress wouldn't show up so i was a cook (laughs) bottle watcher (laughs) potato peeler (laughs) and uh, that went along with the work so i always enjoy enjoy cooking a little bit once in a while falling around with it good but my hobbies are hunting and fishing I do my fishing down off of Ocean City, I have a little home in Ocean City, and I do some surf fishing down there, and I go out in a charter boat, mm-hmm. catch some blues once in a while, and uh, I do a lot of hunting up in Susquehanna County. you
0: have a place up there?
1: Yeah. King of Prussia, it was all farmland, was one of the best hunting areas around at one time. With with the farmland, but, I'm uh, sure you had a lot of they deer. They took my hunting grounds away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I belong to a lodge up there. and. Uh, so that's the County. Well, I always say if you have a young boy, teach him to hunt and fish, and you won't have too many problems with him. Take him hunting and fishing, and get him to abide by the laws, and you'll come up with a good boy or a girl nowadays.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And spend some time with him. That's the trouble today, that uh, a lot of families aren't spending time with their children, they don't have too much home life. First thing, you know, they're on drugs and there's a lot of problems. That's the biggest problem today, you know, in this whole area is drugs. Children that are involved with breaking the law nowadays, regular family children that never had a problem before until they got addicted to drugs and they stole from their own parents to get it. It's a shame, some of them.
0: Do you see that as a big problem here in Upper Mary?
1: It's a problem here. It's a problem all over. I used to attend a lot of uh, police seminars relative to crime prevention and crime factors, and uh, I always said years ago, "I said drugs are our problem." They said, "Oh no, we got this, we got that, man." I said, "All the rise of drugs, people that never committed a crime before or commit it now because of the use of drugs."
0: Well, Jack, it's been great. I really appreciate you coming by. Oh, well, uh,
1: thanks for letting me be here. I appreciate it too.
0: It's been very nice. And I want
1: to commend you on the terrific job you're doing with the King of Prussia in our Historical Society.
0: Oh, well, thank everybody
1: you very- should be proud of their heritage and and their country, and you're doing something about it. That's it for this
0: edition of Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, President of the King of Prussia Historical Society and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's Oral History. Thanks for watching. Until next time, and always, remember when.